Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hi there, Jason Whiteley and Jason Wheeler here with another episode of Yolitics. Thanks for being with us. And a quick reminder before we even get going, early voting is underway right now in Texas. It began on Tuesday morning, so make sure you get out and vote. You have three weeks to early vote or you can... Uh, potentially stand in line on Election Day, November the 3rd. Either way, make your voice heard. And Jason, we're going to spend a little time today. Uh, th- this is something we've never done before. We've never had a, a Grammy award-winning singer on, a Tony award-winning singer on. But we're going to talk about the arts. And you might be listening to this saying, are you kidding me? With all this going on, you're talking about the arts? But this is a good conversation. This is a real thing, and it's and you know what it comes down to is it's not just about the arts. It's about you know how all of us cope during this pandemic. It's also about jobs, uh, and jobs is a huge issue in this election. And we know that a lot of people in creative industries have suffered tremendously, just like they have in so many other industries right now. And you know, uh, you know, in these recent days here, there's been so much back and forth. Will there be another you know COVID relief package? Uh, and then, you know, that was uh, quashed. And then, you know, the, it saw a little bit of daylight again, and we just don't know. And, and so that's creating a lot of anxiety for a lot of people right now who are still without work. Let's remember, you know, we're about halfway with the jobs, okay? We lost 22 point something million jobs in March and April of this year. We've only come back and regained about half of those jobs. So a lot of them are still lost. There's a lot of people still struggling out there. And a lot of them are the people who for so long have entertained us. And uh, we certainly are missing the entertainment these days. Yeah, and we're going to give them a voice in this episode of Yolitics. So with us today, we have Jennifer Holliday. She is a singer and actress. She's best known for many of her Broadway roles. Uh, she was in Dreamgirls in the uh, early 80s. And we have Henry Munoz as well. And Henry is a uh, the former finance chair for the Democratic National Committee. Both of these, Jason, are fellow Texans. Uh, Jennifer having uh, grown up in Houston and Henry uh, being from San Antonio. Hey, Jennifer and Henry, uh, welcome to Yolitics. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be with you this morning. Hey, y'all. Well played. That's the first hey y'all we've had in in the year we've been doing this. So so thanks for that. Let me ask you a basic question on this. With all that's going on with the economy, with COVID, with the Supreme Court, do you think that any voters will actually be voting with the arts in mind? Well, I think people should look at the arts not only as part of the battle for the soul of our nation, but part of an an integral part of the economic um, recovery of our country. I mean, think about, I I live in a town, right, San Antonio, Texas, that is known for its artistic expression. The symbol of 
Our town is the Riverwalk, which was built by artisans and designers. So when you think about the arts, not as a luxury, but as an integral part of our education and our economy and the thing that people go to San Antonio or Houston or Austin or Dallas for, then yeah, I do. I think they will, if they think about it that way, then I think they will find their way to the, to the polls. I think that's a good point to put it in perspective like that. When you start talking about the dollars of this, it's not just the arts, which is a category over there by itself. This is a huge economic engine in this country. Uh, and boy, has it stalled. Uh, and, and you look across Texas, you see the live music capital of the world, Austin. So many of these venues, more than 60% of them say they'll go out of business this fall if they don't get some kind of help. And that's permanently out of business. You see Houston and San Antonio, they've tried to pump millions of dollars into the arts. It's just a Band-Aid, though. That's barely enough to, to take care of what's going on. In Dallas, 60-something million dollars lost in the arts. This is tremendous, and this doesn't even get down to the personal cost. And Jennifer, you know about that. A lot of these artists have lost work altogether. Essentially, they're, they're laid off at this point. Yes. And think about Austin. I mean, Austin had become a music center. You know what I'm saying? And there is uh, also, um, you know, I received last year the Texas Medal of Arts um, in Austin uh, from the Texas Cultural Trust. And I was down there and it was just so this was just last year, you know, just saying just so flourishing. And they're pouring. They were trying to pour money into more arts things. I think it of it beyond economical, I think of mental health. Music, the arts has been, we've been the people who comfort people in times of heartache, in times of struggle. Even if we've had to take a discount and pay, we have been the source of inspiration. We have been the source of hope, not only through music, but through uh, theater. You know, it, it's just been devastating for us all to figure out how are we gonna make a living as ourselves as artists, but how are we going to also bring this inspiration to our hope? I mean, just like they brought football back, I was watching the football game yesterday and some of the other sports and stuff. It's not just economics. It's just the sense of of being something, looking at something, winning, cheering mm-hmm. for your team, having some inspiration. You know, it's like, it's, it's not just economics from there. I mean, I don't even watch sports, but I was watching all day yesterday just for the fact of just like, yes, somebody, somebody do something that we can connect to that's gonna keep us sane, that's gonna keep us looking forward. You know, so I, I think that, I don't know if they'll be voting with arts. We're, we don't have an advocate. We're out here struggling and so many people, I mean, the whole Broadway, I'm a Broadway baby. I went straight from Houston Baptist Church Choir to the Broadway stage, all of the theater, you know, I mean, just, struggling. You can't even go get a part-time job. Usually people in the arts, they will work uh, as a waitress or waiter Mm. and and other jobs that will be their other source so that they can do the arts, which most of them do for little money, but yet it still brings joy to everyone, to the person who's who's the giver of arts, but also to the person who's receiving. And, and Jennifer and Henry, I mean, Jennifer, you just mentioned that that uh, we don't have an advocate, but that's what you guys are out there doing. So you have so many different. But we're groups. not stars, sir. We're not stars. What I'm do you a, mean you're I'm, not stars? Are you kidding I'm, me? Yeah, I'm a star, but we don't carry weight. Mm. The people who are the superstars are 
actually finding ways to to thrive through this. They're able to do something virtually. They're still getting paid. They're getting sponsorship during this time. People in Hollywood are making big deals and stuff. But those of us who depend on concerts week to week, our livelihood, our families and whatever, we are struggling. We do not have an advocate. We need it for Congress to speak on our behalf to or someone, but arts is always, this is not new. This has been a long time that arts is the first to get cut. Our programs are the first to get cut as if no one sees the value in what we bring to people's everyday lives, to, to inspire young people, to have something you know outside of school, to, to, to know that their talents can also take them somewhere if they're not good in school, yeah. or if they don't know a trade. It, it, it's so much of the, the arts. Go ahead, Henry. I don't disagree with Jennifer. I, I think we've been living in a time in history in our country where the White House, this presidency, uh, doesn't understand the importance of art to young people, to education. Um, the Republican Party has done everything that they possibly can to cast the arts as a luxury as opposed to an integral part of, for example, educating young people. They've slashed funding in all federal programs. It's harder for the Smithsonian, the Kennedy Center, all of our ministry of culture, if you will, um, to be out there across the country. So wouldn't it be a nice thing to have a president who is an advocate, who understands that the country that will be inherited in January uh, of next year will be the worse than the than the Great Depression. I think this is a moment, right, where the next president of the United States, like Franklin Delano Roosevelt, right, with his WPA, put the entire country, including artists, back to work. When you build back better, and you're able to, for example, contemplate new infrastructure across the country, then every one of those bridges ought to have an artistic expression. We should put artists back to work. We should put the theater back to work. We should put the music industry back to work. And this isn't something that is the kind of advocacy I'm looking for is not a celebrity. I'm looking for the kind of advocacy that understands that this is not going to go away anytime soon and that all of these artists pay their taxes and that they need to be put back to work, not only um, to help create economic development, but as Jennifer said so eloquently, because they do represent the soul of our country. We should. Uh, that's, a, that's a good. That's a good point. I want to ask you though. What, what I wanted to ask was differentiate, if you can, what Trump wants to do with the arts and what Biden wants to do with the arts. Henry, we'll start with you. And Jennifer, I want you to chime in after he's done. Okay. I don't really know what Donald Trump wants to do with the arts. What, what does Biden want to do though? Maybe a continuation of what he's done, which is not attend the Kennedy Center Honors, not respect artists, not understand the integral role, even in the city that he lived in for so many years, New York City, you know, how how that has impacted um, tourism and the economy and quite honestly, put a whole generation of artists out of work. What does Biden want to do? He wants to elevate the role of the arts in his administration. He wants to create an almost cabinet level position in the White House that talks about that that will be responsible for programs that will generate economic investment in the arts, put artists back to work as we put the as we rebuild the country, which we will need to do. He, he wants to make sure that artistic expression is a part of each and every one of those projects. Like I said, not just singers and dancers, but artists and designers and architects. Really building a new infrastructure, and while we do it, 
not treating arts like they don't matter. So I think he wants to strengthen the, the funding for the National Endowment for the Arts, you know, all of our nation's institutions, which really should be operating kind of as a ministry of culture and making sure that they're accessible to people. I think the best way to explain it is what my grandmother used to say when she lived through the Great Depression. In order to make it through, everybody had to go back to work. There needed to be a jobs program. And this jobs program that we have to do in the in the in the future needs to include artists. And Jennifer, do you see a difference between these two candidates when it comes to the arts? Yes, I do. And then I just want to make sure, too, that we stress to your audience. Um, uh, Of course, we say arts, which is inclusive of all mediums of arts, you know, and that that means, you know, uh, as he says, designers, uh, painters, people, you know, anything that has creativity that speaks to um, the eye from a, a different, you know, different standpoint. So a lot of arts are help people with medical conditions, you know, artistic children also can go to arts and when they can't really communicate with anything else. So to me, um, I think that we need something that will, God forbid, if another pandemic, because this is the problem with arts. We also need an audience. Mm-hmm. We, we can perform this virtual stuff and do, but our connection mm-hmm. is with the audience. We have arts without an audience and it's just not the same. So with the pandemic, even if they were wealthy, they couldn't come and see us. You know what I'm saying? Even if we gave them free tickets, they really, it's a limit on what can be done. So I, I feel that the platform uh, with, you know, with the Biden-Harris team will be to restore what arts could be and sort of maybe a protective shield because a lot of us did not receive uh, it with the stimulus package. They tried to do independent contractor, which is what we kind of are, but not. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us did not require uh, get unemployment because we we don't have a weekly same employer and we can't look for a job. We have to do auditions and things like that. If no one's auditioning and if no one's hiring for concerts or, or, or acting jobs or whatever, the only thing that seems like it's gonna thrive maybe is television, they're finding a way, but all of us don't do television, you know, seem like movies, I don't know, but for the real, core of arts, the singers, musicians, the people who gig from week to week, I think that what we will have is um, uh, more of a raised platform so that arts are appreciated and understanding, as I said again, for our mental health, if nothing else. We have the highest level right now of depression and suicides from young people, not because they don't can't get to the arts. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that arts is a form of healing and arts is a form of bringing people together. There will be people who will sing the same song together who are different parties and different, you know, affiliations, different religions who will sing that one sing same song, you know? And and so I think that 
uh, these are the things we're looking for, that it, it's a raised platform, that it is more money invested into the arts. And now we need a new level of protection. Like I said, God forbid that there is something else where the where people can't touch people, that at least until we can get past where we can help the artists um, uh, and other other people who are in the arts at least survive so we can if they can't apply for unemployment for each state you know no one can get ppp you know everybody's not on that level what is the thing that we can help to get them through until people are able to be with people again wanna, people who need people <laughs> i want to ask you all about uh, something that's actionable here in just a second but but on the way there jennifer since you mentioned it i have to ask this uh have you done any virtual performances at all yet I have my first one. My first one's going to come up. I'll be 60 years old in on October 19th. Happy birthday. So I'm, thank you. So I'm going to do my first virtual concert. And I mean, thank God the tickets are, are going very well at this point. And I do have a, a fan base. I'm not a superstar, but, <laughs> you know, but I am, but I am, um, I appreciate it, you know, very well, very well loved and, um, you know, supported. And so on October 19th will be my very first one. If it works, you know, um, I'm hoping to do more, but it's very hard to get people to pay for a performance that's that's not live because they are trying to figure out, well, we get everything else free on TV mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, do, you know, it's almost like, well, do you have a membership, Miss Holiday? Mm -hmm. Because maybe we could be, are you going to do this? So I might have to do that. I might have to do a subscription or something where I have to do one virtual concert every month if you give me $5.99 or something. I don't well, know. We're, you know we're, we're, oh, we're going to have to loop. Do five. We're going to have to loop back with you then and find out what that's like to do the performance, though, when you uh, don't have an audience like right there in front of you. And I, don't let I, her I, downplay, y'all, about this superstar stuff. She's won a uh, Tony and two Grammys. So don't let her get away uh, with downplaying all you. of that. You, you, you've oh, got the pedigree. So, much. so I want to ask y'all, though, about something actionable here because I think people listen to this and they feel a little bit hopeless and they think, well, maybe, okay, I, I can do one thing. I can go vote. So if I see a difference in the two candidates here as to who, you know, will elevate the arts more, then I can vote for that person. But beyond that, is there is there something more that you would tell people that they need to do? I know that there's this big initiative called Save Our Stages that's out there right now. This is being considered by Congress. What can people do? Uh, Henry, uh, Jennifer, both of you, I'd like to hear from you on that. Well, I think speak truth to power is a great starting point because no matter who the president is, we need them to respect the fact that we need to put this industry back to work, these industries across the country back to work. I could tell you what we're doing. I'm producing a television special on CBS um, later this month that lifts the voices of Latino artists, celebrities, frontline workers, heroes, tells the story of the history and heritage and the contribution of Latinos to this country. I think it's a time when we need to remind us remind ourselves that we're heroes, that we're patriots and what we've contributed to this country. So I think the idea of using your voice, however you have it, is really important. And yes, at the end of the day right now, quite honestly, artists should be using their ability to express themselves in a moment where you can't really GOTV, get out the vote, talk to people, there are no rallies. Artists are some of the most important activists right now because they can paint a mural, do something that helps remind people that every vote 
matters because whoever wins these elections, not just the presidency of the United States, but the person who represents you in the Texas legislature, look how much Texas has at stake. You go to Houston for the Houston Grand Opera. You go to Dallas for the symphony. Mm -hmm. You go to Austin for the country music festival. You come to San Antonio for mariachi. Two of my first memories of the arts, Jennifer Hudson singing in Dreamgirls. Who would have ever thought that a, a girl from Houston, Texas would rise to that moment on the Broadway stage? Freddie Fender. Remember the first time I heard Freddie Fender sing a country Western song? I had no idea that he was Mexican-American. Look at that, how that can inspire people. We need to recapture that feeling of optimism and use our voice to remind people how important this is in Texas and in the country. Jennifer, what do you think people need to do that's actionable other than buying tickets to your first virtual performance in October? (laughs) There you go. Yes, well, I do think that voting is is very important because that is going to be our our source of power even though every time it always seems like our vote just doesn't matter and i think that that's one of the problems because every every four years everyone's like this will be the most important election in history and everybody's like yeah you said that four years ago we did it Mm. and nothing happened so i think we have to find a way to speak to where people are, to where their pain is right now, and make sure that the plans that are put in place, the policies that are gonna be, to really make them trust that, because just saying that this is gonna be the most important election in history, you know, they say that every four years, and then people turn out in droves, and then things don't happen, and people are disappointed and and wonder. But one thing I wanna say um, about, uh, what Henry was just saying about his special about the Latina community. And uh, we have been very slight with the Latina community. Now, I grew up in Texas, and it was just beginning at the time where schools were beginning to have where you learn Spanish in school, mm-hmm. you know. So it, that was just coming as I was growing up. And I thought that that was very, very good. And I know that Latino, you know, is a big tent. So I'm not just saying, you know, that. But I almost made a very big mistake. I had a concert uh, in Miami um, last year for Christmas and they had asked me to come down and they said, well, you know, we're gonna have this um, Christmas, you know, concert and we really want you. It's gonna be on the mall. It's gonna be big, it's gonna be huge. I said, I don't have any Latin fans. I mean, I don't, why would you, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, insult anybody. Yeah, Henry, and I don't, <laughs> Henry's you know, raising his hand. He's a and fan. I, <laughs> and I said, and I said, I don't speak Spanish. So anyway, I took the gig and it was the, one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. Not only did I look out and see a mix, because Miami is a, a mixed posture of Latins. Mm-hmm. So you got them from all over, you know, you got Venezuela, you got everything right Cubans, there. Yeah. And to have them they're cheering for me some of them not even speaking you know english so i think that we do have to reach to other people who we don't know uh might need just a little nourish we we keep passing over people only this block is going to vote only this block needs consideration so i do think that we need to learn how to step out of our comfort comfort zone and say hey you know whatever and i made new fans that that 
through that whole time. And they were so appreciative and I was so grateful and they sang Spanish mm. to me back, mm. you know, and, and, and different things. And I didn't have to pretend to speak Spanish or anything like that. They understood because music has heart. Mm. You know, music has, they don't need an interpreter. You can feel love, you can feel passion, you can feel hope through the song, you know? So for me, I think that yes, we, we, we try to, you know, definitely get out that vote, but yes, we also just try to take this opportunity just to make sure that people understand that we care about people, you know? So right. yes, you know, we just care about people. And we want to be able to make sure that that's the world, that's the America that's going to go forward. Henry, I want to ask you about your, your, you know, your, your time in in D.C., if you will, as the, the longest serving finance chair for the Democratic National Committee. Uh, one of the big headlines we saw uh, last year for, for several years is about the Trump administration um, wanting to eliminate funding for the National Endowment for the Arts. I don't want to date myself. I'm, I'm I'm closing in on 50 here. Wheeler's right behind me, but I am behind. Um, but I don't know. Ex- I don't know exactly what's that. But I am behind him. <laughs> and I'm older than all y'all. Right? Stop it, Jennifer. I'm older. I'm going to be but, 60 years old next month. So uh, I, I, I'm I older than all y'all. I don't know exactly, Henry, what the National Endowment for the Arts is. And why I should care if Congress decides to move that money away from there? What is lost? What is a national endowment? And what would be lost if Congress decides to move the money somewhere else? First of all, let me explain that most of the countries in civilization in the world have ministries of culture. Right? They have a ministry of culture. They have a a a a, a piece of their government right that understands that cultural identity artistic expression in every form from design to the theater is an important part of who they are and their economy. It's essential to the country in good times and in bad. Over the course of the last 20 years, because somebody decided who was a senator or a member of Congress that they didn't like what was being expressed, they tried to put a uh, chains on it and make it less important, right? And and eliminate funding for it because it, they got afraid of any expression that disagrees with how they see themselves. But the, as Jennifer talks about, the beauty of our country is that the arts should bring us together. We should encourage not only arts, but arts education in particular. The National Endowment of the Arts is one of the pillars of arts um artistic expression, the importance of arts to the federal government that allows uh, projects to happen both at an individual basis and in organizations, community-based organizations in places like San Antonio and Austin and Houston and Dallas and smaller communities that ensure that young people like Jennifer, when they're growing up, have a place to go to understand that they can have a career in singing. And so if you do away with that, you're basically saying to generations of artists who are yet to come, we don't care if you're trained or not. That's why it's important. But this administration, for example, they don't even attend performances. You couldn't fi- figure out what their um, what their attitude is or their policy development is for the arts. On the other hand, 
like I'm just going to repeat this, but a Biden administration is going to put artists back to work in the same way that we put artists back to work during the Great Depression. It's going to ensure that the president of the United States has a direct line into the arts in this country so that all of the nation's institutions, the Smithsonian, the Kennedy Center, museums around the country, community centers all have a shot at funding, not only to put people back to work, but to make sure that there's future generations of American expression, American expression that unites people. And I got to say, at this moment in our country's history, just like Jennifer said, wouldn't you love to have a moment of cultural understanding? Right. That's what arts do. They help us understand the difference in each other that brings us together as Americans. I'm very proud to say one more thing. I'm very proud, for example, I've worked for 20 years. I was the first Latino ever to sit on the board of the Smithsonian Institution. It's been 20 years of my life to try and bring forward this idea of a Smithsonian American Latino Museum. And part of Joe Biden's plan is to create a national museum on the mall devoted to telling our story so that people can understand who we really are. We aren't all immigrants to this country. I'm very proud that we are, but we are not all immigrants, right? Many of us have been here for generations. When you create that kind of place for people to go and understand the American story, then you create unity. Mm -hmm instead of division. That's the kind of president I think we deserve. Somebody who's going to say, you know what? A museum is important to educate and to create understanding, not try and take things away. Henry, you have worked really hard on on trying to get a a, a Latino museum. Is that going to come to fruition finally, do you think? Well, I'm very proud that... um, both Republicans, right? I'm gonna, and I'm a Democrat, but Will Hurd sponsored the legislation to create the Smithsonian American Latino Museum in the Congress, and it passed out. It's now sitting on the side of the U.S. Senate, and the co-sponsor for that legislation is John Cornyn, the Republican senator from Texas. I think that's an amazing example of how the importance of the art should be bipartisan. We should be working together to create these, this kind of infrastructure of understanding in our country. You're pretty far along then if you've gotten Republicans and uh, Democrats to sign off on something together there. That's, uh, that's excellent progress. Uh, you mentioned putting artists back to work. I wanted to ask both of you what you're seeing just at the, you know, at the ground level. You know, you, you, your boots on the ground. You're seeing other artists right now. What's going on? Are, are people, uh, I mean, we're six months into this pandemic. We've seen a lot of people go back to work in other industries. What's happening with artists right now? Have they just found something else entirely to do? Has this permanently ended uh, a lot of careers? Well, venues are not booking right now because they can't commit to an audience. So hmm. until we can get further uh, idea what's going on with the pandemic, um, with the vaccine, if people are going to take the vaccine, you know, how will it have to be? Because uh, one, uh, I do a lot of performing arts centers. I do a lot of um, symphony dates. You know, last year I was there in Dallas um, with the uh, Black Academy of Arts and Letters with um, uh, the Dallas Symphony. And those are the kind of educational things you get to do with the National Endowment of Arts. So it's very inclusive of so many things. Not only is there education, but there's funding for to do diverse projects and, and things like that. And but you can't they, the venues can't do it. So a lot of them tell me, well, Miss Holiday, if we try to book you, 
for something in the spring and there's still this limit of uh, people with the pandemic, you'd have to do three nights Mm. for one night because we'd have to still social distance. Mm. We would have to have people spread apart. We'd have to skip a row. And so if a place, if a venue does hold 2,000, 3,000 seats, which is my venue realm, is around 2,000 to 3,000 seats is what I play. And so we, he said we'd have to break it down mm-hmm. because you, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to get a full house in the one night. We'd have to mm-hmm. do it over three nights. But then we wouldn't make any money and you wouldn't make any mm-hmm. money. So the bottom line comes down to economics again what can the venue make what uh when he when he adds up their cost and everything it, they'd rather just try to sit this out you know unfortunately for the artists um that means we you know we're still not working you know and i just want to make sure that henry under, understands and that everyone understands that even whoever wins and and hopefully you know it is biden harris but if when they get in uh, in January, we'll still be dealing with this pandemic. So in terms of getting artists back to work and theaters back to work, we can't do our work without an audience. So back to people who need people, you know, it's, it's, it's back to that whole thing. And so it's, we're at mercy right now. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have support but I know so many others that are not going to really be able to make it because again, you can't go out and get another job, you know, like, you know, um, you know, maybe like I said, singers, actors or whatever, you can apply for a job at Macy's or somewhere to kind of, you know, a restaurant job to tie you over to, to get some kind of thing. You can learn something, but what can you actually learn in a pandemic? Who, who's hiring? What kind of thing can you do, you know? So I, I, I just want to make sure that people understand that it's not just we're not looking for work or there is no other work available. We need them. We need people. And so therefore, for their safety and ours and, every, and uh, you know, America at, at large, um, we can't jeopardize people's well-being right now you know so that's why you see a lot of uh performers and churches now doing outside um doing where you you sit in your cars and and they're doing their services or doing their concerts on these big you know megatron kind of things you know now that's quite um innovative but I don't know how lucrative that is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many cars can you have out there? And then how you charging right. them? You know it what I'm saying? It's like, money. yeah, baby, it all comes down to the money. It's kind of like, uh, okay. I mean, we. Can- it is a testament to American creativity to try and find a way, even in the midst of a crisis, to do something that makes people feel better and puts people back to work. I think you know the the thing about the. I, I'm going to tell you a story. So. You know, I formed a, a partnership to help people in New York City with Jose Andres World Central Kitchen, and we feed thousands of people every day. And these are working people. Jennifer's right. These are people who would have a job or get a second job if they needed to feed their family. And the, would you ever think that in the United States of America, people would line up at 630 in the morning to make sure that they had a bag of food by 1230? 
I mean, it's ridiculous. So I'll just say more than anything, it, it, job loss, devastation, economic devastation, sickness, the inability of you to send your kid back to school, or if you have to keep going to work, who's going to make sure that your kid logs on and gets um, schooling during the day? And I think at the end of the day, we need leadership. That's all I'm looking for. Look, whoever it is, you know, in January of 2021, I just want to make sure that they don't deny what is happening, that they provide leadership to get us through this moment. Because Jennifer's right. This isn't going away anytime soon. We're not going to wave. You know, in January of 2021, this is going to be over with. No, the impact on the health of people, the, the jobs that people have or don't have, their economy, their small business, their sole proprietor. Ridership. I mean, look at Jennifer. If you if you were a consultant, let's say, you had no access to the to the federal funding that was supposed to help you get through. And then education. I mean, look at this is a big arts movement. Okay, here's an idea. What about broadband in every American mm-hmm. home? What about access to education and to arts and instruction and entertainment in every American home? How about that? How about artists calling for that? How about artists who still have to pay their income taxes voting for themselves and saying, you know what? We pay our taxes. We're going to vote because we want to pay our taxes. In order to do that, we need to be at work. Great points uh, in the conversation. Before we let you guys go, because I I didn't realize this conversation has gone as long as it has. You guys are fantastic. I want to ask you, Henry, with your roots in San Antonio, uh, the Castro brothers, Julian, Joaquin, Mm -hmm what's next for them politically, man? We, we've heard that they're rising stars, et cetera. Um, are, 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 will one of them run for governor of Texas in 2022? Where do you see them? You know, the Castro stand on the shoulders of many leaders and Latino leaders who've come before them, who've gone on to become U.S. senators and Congress people and mayors. And I think that they can go anywhere. But I also think that they've opened the doors for other Latinos who will be governors of their state and members of the U.S. Senate and the Congress and school board members and, you know, state legislators. So I'm very proud of Joaquin, for example. I've been watching him online in the last 24 hours. He's in yes, Georgia, I Jennifer. know. I was just, I was just um, going to say, I was just, he's, a team, he's a team player. They're, they're both Oregon, team right? players. And that's, yeah. that's what you need, not only if we're going to win. We need people that if, if the focus is not on you and your career and you the star, or you the, you know, the head policymaker or whatever, get on the team. Mm. Let's just get on the winning and make a team win. Let's do that. You know, let's, let's do that. So I, next, I agree. The next step for Joaquin is that he's sitting outside that detention center in Georgia where um, we understand that there's been um, hysterectomy, hysterectomies performed on immigrant women who are being held in detention centers. So his next step is to help protect people as a member of Congress, as the, as the chairman of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, to bring attention to the fact that there are sterilizations happening to our people, our women, that have been washed over in the press. There's so much going on in the press right now that we've stopped to, they haven't stopped to think that that is happening in our own country, like it happened in Nazi Germany. Think about that. So he's there. So I think as long as the Castro brothers continue to tell the truth, speak the truth, fight for our people, you know, that I, I never thought that demography was destiny, but look at the changes in Texas. The more that the Latino population continues to grow, Jennifer actually is from one of the largest Hispanic yeah. cities in the country now. 
then um, many leaders will come and the Astros will be part of that infrastructure of leadership. Yeah, I know. Nocturno Arrozario was one of the first, I mean, we, we kind of started learning, you know, there. And, and so I think that that is important, you know, that um, we learn to really embrace everyone while we are also trying to fight for uh, each other. We also really need to learn, like you said, this ministry of culturalism. I love the way that sounds because we need to get an idea of more and more culture, not just have Cinco de Mayo, but actually understand what it is that we're, what we're doing. You know, each time we have something, we're embracing these different ethnicities and these, these different, you know, cultures of just our whole America, what the fabric of what we are. Let's really try to do that. So I think that, you know, I just think that we all just really just get on the team and then write the things that we want done, believe that there is hope if we're going to vote this time and that the vote is important. It's not a cliche, but it is a very important vote. And that way, just know that you can, right. we, we have a voice now, you know what I'm saying? So therefore, you know, we may not, your platform may not come up right away, but your platform can be approached in the next four to eight years if we get with this team. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I say. Let's just let's just do that. You know, I want to ask again, Henry, do you think Julian should run for governor or would his talents be uh, useful somewhere else? Oh, he's good. He didn't let you off. Baby. He did not let you. He's good. So what you think? So what you think? That's good, Jennifer. Okay. Jennifer, Henry. we're going to have you as a guest host sometime. He's good. Uh, um, you, Julian Castro is the national leader and somebody who became a credible candidate for the presidency of this country. And we need to honor him and elevate him. We need to fight for him to continue to have a voice, um, whatever he decides to do, whether it's to run for statewide office in the state of Texas or to continue to play a role in the national stage. He has the qualifications, the background, the experience. He's the kind of person that we've been waiting for to help lead our, our community. You know, so many times people look at the African-American community, right? And they say the African-American community understands how to lead itself. And then they look at the Latino community and they say, where's your Jesse Jackson? Where's your Reverend Al Sharpton? Where's your Barack Obama? Where's your Michelle Obama? And I think Julian is a part of that infrastructure of leadership where we have to decide. I, I agree with that. I agree. I thought he should have been Hillary's vice president mm -hmm. choice. That's what I, I feel that we would have. I mean, he was young, but I think he would have in eight years, he would have really grown, you know, and to carry on. So I, I agree with that. I do think that he, he is a leader. And there there are some others who we who are not in Congress, but I've been just very bury my heart with the Latino community, you know, especially, like I said, I almost made a terrible mistake by thinking that they didn't embrace all music or all whatever, and I love them now. It's like, okay, and them Castro brothers are so cute. Oh my God, oh my Lord, I'm, I'm older though, but I won't go, I'm an old woman, but I'm an old dream girl, but I won't go into all of that, but they're Here's so fine, the Lord hammer. Here's what I'll say to the Jasons, that's what you want, right? I, if I were Julian Castro, I would look at the I would look at the election on November the fourth and what happened in Texas, which clearly is trending blue, 
And I would make a decision about what I wanted to do in the state of Texas based upon that turnout. I think people are going to be very surprised. I think people are going to be very surprised about Texas um, in November. And, you know, and it is. I think so. And I think that I think and I think that even though Beto O'Rourke didn't become what we thought it is, he did set that mind for us to envision that it could happen. Now, they, he may not have won what we thought he was, or do what he thought he was going to do, but he started it in terms of where we could envision, you know, a change of, of, of you know, from red to blue. Uh, we just didn't have the right, you know, strategy and, you know, solutions and things like that. But I think, you know, I think you're and right, he did, Henry. I and think he did get so very right. close. Henry, what do you... He what, did very close. What do you mean, Henry, when you say you think people are going to be very surprised about Texas uh, come Texas, November what? 4th, the day after the he election? He mean to switch to blue. He mean to switch to blue. You think it's going to do it this year? I think it's possible, you know. I think, I think it's, it's possible. possible. I absolutely... Anything is possible. I think think Texas is clearly a battleground state. I think that if you look at the numbers that were generated by Beto O'Rourke coming within three points of... of That's what I'm saying, yeah. Senator Cruz, and now you look at... the state of Texas and the and the House seats that are in play and the and really quite honestly the fact that Texans understand um, what what the, what this election matter how this election matters in their lives I, I think it, it's entirely possible quite honestly that this election is going to be just this close in the state of Texas which yeah. nobody thought I think and I think it's yeah I think it's I think it's poised to do so. I mean, I really do. I think that it has been building there. It also depends, you know, on, you know, people like Henry and what the right. strategy is. What's, what's the plan? You know what I'm saying? What's the strategy? How much are you going to invest to make it happen? Because it does take money, unfortunately, to get those people out. And then in the middle of a pandemic, we're not able to knock at doors. We're not able to rally people. We're not able to send busloads of people to go to the polls. So uh, it will depend on our strategy and, and some dollars, <laughs> some dollar dollar bills, baby. Some like dollar, I said, it always bills. comes down to the money. So it's always we, down to the money. We got, no peso, oh, go no say so. My dad used to always tell me, no peso, no say so. She's right. You got to have money to win. <laughs> the deal, here's what I'd say. If I were the Castro That's brother. Great. If I were the Castro brothers, I would look at those election results coming in in the month of November, and I'd make a determination about my, what my next. It sounds like you have a lot is. to say about this, Henry. We're going to have a part two to this episode, man. Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer, you're coming back too. Y'all are, uh, and Jennifer, you're too. very plugged in to politics. Um, <laughs> so. So, yeah, no peso, no say so. That's going to be my new saying from now on to my kids. I'm my too. It's like, hey. I like that. Uh, and and before we wrap this up, uh, Jason um, and, and Jennifer, do you are y'all satisfied now with Henry's answer? About I think he has more to say on it. He just keeps dropping, peppering in things. <laughs> I, yeah, I got to. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Jason. He's he knows kinda something. Like, still, he knows something. Hmm. He knows something. He knows something, so he he he. We're he gonna have to ring him up again wrong, because he yeah, he, he he does know something there. Yeah, yeah. Henry he Henry's the money man, so the money man always <laughs> knows more than he tells. <laughs> hey, y'all y'all have been fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate your time and, and talking about these issues with the arts, and, and you you make some fantastic points about how it really does 
uh, span the political divide and, and how everyone can appreciate it. So thank you so much. But for the thank time. you for taking and thank you. Thank you. We just we needed it and we appreciate you. too. And happy birthday, Jennifer. Happy early birthday. Too. Thank you. Thank you. So early happy <laughs> birthday. Uh, and it's an honor to be on the on with Jennifer. I mean, are you kidding? Don't believe her. She's an icon and a superstar Aww. and she always. Aww. will. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. <laughs>